I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And on today's show... What is it? We've got two extraordinary guests coming to you from the deep south of the United States of America. Is it that deep? It's pretty deep. It's well below the Mason-Dixon line. Dixie. mason Dick. Which is it? What is it? <laughs> Is it the Mason-Dixie line or the Mason-Dixon line? We're not entirely sure no, where we are. Do you know? The Mason-Dixie. Oh, it is. It's, Dic- it's Dixie, not Dixon. Mason-Dixon. Oh. But don't you think a Southern person would, instead of saying Dixon, say Dixie? No. Mm. Mason-Dixon line. So we're pre- it's pretty deep south that we are going to come to you today as the guests on Free Cookies, the podcast. We are our own guests today. I just can't get over Charleston being deep south. It's so deep. You, you know what? This is crazy. I actually, whenever I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh, that's south. I'm like, yes, I know it's south. But you always rebel against this notion. You act like we're really kind of in Washington, D.C., but we're not. That is not, the, I, that is the opposite of deep south. I don't think we're the opposite of deep south. I'm just saying that I don't think. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. And you love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but before we get into the meat of today's show, which is actually probably heavier than normal for us. I did want to start with this because we were having dinner the other night with a friend of ours and she's also married to a woman and we kind of got into talking about the quirks of your partner that you didn't get, like we weren't talking about quirks that like really fucking made you mad, but they were like the small things that were kind of cute that you got over. So one thing I want to clarify is that People who complain about squeezing from the middle of the toothpaste tube are total bullshit. Like, if you take all of the time throughout the life of a toothpaste tube that you could have been like, mm, the extra seven seconds to squeeze it from the bottom every time versus just like squeezing wherever it looks the meatiest, at the end of all of that, you add it all up and it's still less time than it takes just to like squeeze it from the bottom once it's run out. Did I explain that properly? Yeah, I think so. So I think that anyone who is a stickler for squeezing toothpaste from the bottom of the tube is ridiculous. You know, Glennon Doyle is known for posting videos in her bathroom of their toothpaste, which is not squeezed from the bottom. And then she equates her wife to being a serial killer because of the way she squeezes I her toothpaste. I guarantee too. you that Abby's the one that squeezes it from the bottom. That Abby's the one who's upset mm. at Glennon. That does make but more anyway, sense. That does make more sense. We're probably talking about two people that maybe a lot of our listeners know, but Abby Wambach, who we've had on the show, and Glennon Doyle Melton, who is the author of two New York Times bestselling books. Very good follows on Instagram, as well as being lovely people in real life, I assume, as well. Oh okay. Gosh. It's only interesting if you follow it on Instagram, though. Did you want to get into the quirky bullshit thing that we each do, or should we just jump into the show? What is a quirky bullshit thing that we do? No, that you do, that I'm upset about. Mm. And one, uh, something that I do that you're upset about. Well, I don't remember what I do that you get upset about. So Okay, then let's talk about it. Do you want to? It's the fact that at the every day I go around and there's cups everywhere. You leave cups in lots of places. Yeah. And very often when you're done with your coffee, you don't rinse out the coffee. And so I'll find your coffee mug in the bathroom a day later, and it's like sol- the coffee is solidified into the bottom of the mug. I feel like that's a, an upgrade because I used to leave um, ice cream 
um, sticks everywhere, like popsicle sticks. <laughs> right. I think that that doesn't happen as much because we are not. We don't have as many popsicles and ice cream in the house. I feel like if before. I were allowed to be regularly eating my ice cream sticks again, they would be all over the house. Okay. And the I heard you say that you couldn't think of one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on today's show, we actually just wanted to talk through, address the reasoning behind why this season three has been choppier than our previous seasons. Is it even a season at this point? Well, how would you define it? A hodgepodge collection of episodes that are loosely it's like frameworked as a season? Someone stuck their hand into a unicorn bucket of paint and threw it what? with a blindfold towards a wall. And if you were to take that wall in, that would be what we are doing right now. Wow. Unicorn paint. It means more than one color. So, so actually, we do want to <laughs> get into this because we prided ourselves in the first two seasons. We you know, hustled to make sure that every episode was out Wednesday morning. And that was the structure of free cookies for the first two years. And now even the in our lives right now, this existence of... Season three is a victory in and of itself, even if it doesn't look the same as it did the previous I think we're closing in in about 10-ish episodes, yeah. so we're ballpark there. It just took about twice the amount of time that it yeah. normally would. So, so the reason behind this is that, and Catherine and I even talked about this when we first start, quote-unquote, started season three a couple months ago, was like, do we just put free cookies on hold, um, or do we just do our best to put them together when I'm here in Charleston in the deep, deep south below the <laughs> Mason-Dixon line. Um, and that, and the reasoning Dixie, y'all. Um, behind me being gone so much is that, and I'm telling our listeners, obviously, like a couple years ago, three years ago, in fact, my dad was diagnosed with ALS. And at about around the time of our wedding after, our, after our wedding and like the months after is when his ALS and everybody's experience with ALS is very different, um, started to accelerate. And so about, what was it about three or four months ago, you, because you're a lovely wife, came to me and you were like, I, I think you need to be spending more time upstate with your family. And so we've made it work where I'm up there a lot. Like I'm, you know, I'm leaving in a couple of days to go up there. And so it's just been making recording and doing this podcast so much more tricky because the time we have together is limited and the ability to be together to record is just so much smaller. I mean, a lot of listeners will know that the last episode with the Goop fellas, like you did that interview by yourself and it was because I was upstate spending time with my dad. So it's important to me and um, I know Catherine, you can relate to this, but it's important to me to talk about this because I've, found that ALS is one of the most confounding diseases and even the way in which the population understands it seems confused as well. Um, I read a bunch of stats recently that like 50% of Americans didn't even know what the ice bucket challenge was in support of. And that was that viral campaign a couple years ago where people, you dump cold water on your head. 50% of Americans did not know that that was in support of ALS. 90% of Americans cannot name an organization doing work on behalf of ALS. So there's like, there's almost like an awareness problem. I think it was also like 60% of Americans don't know that ALS is always fatal, 100% fatal. So I think that because of that and because of my relationship with my dad, he taught me to play basketball. We grew up playing together. 
it's it kind of reached this point of watching him go through this disease and watching my mom be the primary caretaker and the effects that she has that like you just all of a sudden you're like you go from not you know this disease is scary and you don't want anyone to know because it's like it's not how you view yourself or your life you go from like and that you go from that to like desperately needing community and so that's been part of the reason for on on you know my and why I haven't been here as much. and um, But I try to be here as much as possible, too, because, you know, your own dad is sick as well. Well, you should also tell the people at this point your essay that you wrote about your father is oh, yeah. up on the Players' Tribune. Yeah, I wrote a, a piece for my dad. To help people understand. Yeah. And for, you know, I wrote it for my dad, too. And I wrote it for me because, you know, in the last six months we've gone to, he's in a wheelchair, he has a feeding tube, he's losing his voice, and so a lot of things it's like this downward slope where it's like every time you get used to the loss of something you know that you're faced with the loss of something else and so over the last I, it took me about three months not dedicated time to write this piece and it was a way to just process what I wanted to say in addition to trying to put put more pieces and put more information out there about ALS because I'm regularly confused about how people don't understand what the disease is well, I think, and maybe this is the silver lining in a weird way, is, you know, you probably don't know a lot about a disease unless you've been affected by it. Yeah. And it's, everyone it knows about cancer. It's yeah. also one of the most prevalent diseases yeah. out there right now. But, uh, I mean, obviously, I think the more awareness, the better, especially for people like us who are touched by it. But at the same time, part yeah. of me is like, I hope people never have to know what that is. You yeah. know, so it, it's... It's, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me because the data out there about the probability of getting ALS over the course of a lifetime is about 0.1. People think it's more rare than it actually is because the life It doesn't feel very rare because now that it's in our lives, we've met so yeah. many people who have been affected by it. Yeah, and, I, and I, so I think that there's Locally this, and globally. Yeah, there's this idea that it's rare, but that's because people die so quickly from it. Mm. And so at any given point in the U.S., a very small percentage of people are living with ALS but if you look at the chance of you getting it over your lifetime it becomes 0.1 which to me is like rare but not you know right it but not astronomically rare and then when you look at the effects of it it becomes a philosophical discussion it's like if the effects are locked in syndrome you know like you're you're heading toward this like complete paralysis your motor, your motor neurons shut down but your brain remains intact like it's one of the most devastating physical things that can happen to you so it's like, well, should we try to, should we focus on that? Because it's like this looming gauntlet for some people with 100% fatality, but then the percentages are so much smaller than so many different forms of cancer. And so it's like, where do you put resources? You know, the disease that affects so many more people, but in varying degrees of severity, or this disease that has a very horrific outcome, but fewer people are impacted by it. It's like, it's, a, it's like this philosophical question, you know? Absolutely. And what, okay, so for the people that you do want to know more about this outside of reading the, the essay that you put on the Players' Tribune. Yeah, which um, we'll put up on Free Cookies podcast on you know, Instagram. We'll share it on Instagram. Um, just even just following certain ALS organizations on social media, just like a simple click and follow. Like I Am ALS is an organization that was started by Brian Wallach, who was in a in the Obama administration and he was diagnosed approximately like a year ago and he started this organization just trying to be community grassroots 
patient and caregiver led trying to connect ALS organizations, which are too siloed and trying to get money and awareness because we have this famous athlete, Lou Gehrig, who the disease is often named after. I feel like that's still maybe what most people... Yeah, I mean, when when people know the correlation, right? Most people, oh, Lou Gehrig's disease, like many people know, oh, that's also ALS, but sometimes there's also that separation. But so he announced, you know, the famous speech, I, I, I am the luckiest, luckiest, luckiest man in the world, world, world. I don't know it. Um, (laughs) In Yankee Stadium, that was 1934. And so it's 80 years later, and there is zero treatment for ALS. Nothing with any level of efficacy, you know, certain things perhaps extend life by marginal amounts a month here, a month there, but like zero treatment, none. And you're like 80 years later. So there's, there's hopefully there's some groups now who just want to get the right funding and the right people together. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's hard, it's, it's challenging to talk about because I know that before my dad was diagnosed and before we saw what this disease is, like, I wouldn't care. I, like, I wouldn't have really cared, you know? Which doesn't make you a good or bad person. It's just you haven't been affected by it. I know. But then it makes me, you know, in, in this podcast format where, you know, you're trying to be, like, relatable and entertaining, I'm like, okay, well, 97% of our listeners are probably like, wah, wah, you know, like, disease, right? It's a, it's, it, it often is lumped with, like, overseas organizations we should be helping on subcontinents and all of that. You know, it just becomes this abstract thing. But then when you see it, you're like... Everyone should be caring about this. Well, but at minimum, I, I think like, people can just be educated about it and understand. Yeah. yeah. Maybe at least be able to blur out a sentence of like, oh, I know what that disease uh, yeah, is. Yeah, at least understand. It's 100% fatal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of that's what I, yeah. why our season has been the way that it is. We've, we've got a lot going on with the families. My dad has been six. S- Super terminally sick too, and uh, yeah, and it's been hard yeah. watching him. You know, we 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 go out with them. We try to go out to lunch with them or get over there, your parents, and you know, it's been really challenging just to see his decline um, mm-hmm. too. And so it, yeah, it, no, it's been it's been fucking awful. But we're gonna come back stronger, and we're gonna maybe someday have a weekly podcast. Again, that's our plan. Our plan, um, our plan is for season four, whenever we are. Oh, we have a plan. (laughs) No, we have a plan to have a plan. Oh, we have a plan to have a plan. That's true. Okay. I mean, we've we've talked and we're like, okay, you know, let's keep, we, we have to keep doing season three this way where you're going to get episodes dropped whenever we can get them done. And then at some point when we feel that we're ready, whenever that is, with time and with the structure of our lives, we want to plan out just like a badass season four that yeah. we can drop regularly. And just so when we get messages and people are like, put out more, put out more, like, it's not because we don't love you. It's not because we don't care. It's, you get messages like that? I do. I don't. Everyone's just like, the content that you provide is so stellar. You know, you do it at your own pace because it's gold. <laughs> <laughs> so we just wanted you guys to have the inside information for why the season has been the way that it is and we love you mm-hmm. and we appreciate your support we'll be back soon absolutely peace whether out. you like it or not peace out <laughs>